today. So, um, Jax, I'm going to hand over to you first of all, man. Do you want to quickly introduce yourself, say a bit more about you? And you're obviously going to be talking about uh, stocks. So maybe just give a quick overview exactly of what stocks and shares are in this context uh, today as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, I'm sure those that are World Finance Podcast listeners know and recognize my voice, those that have joined. I can see some people I actually know personally probably recognize my face as well. My name is Jack Sofoku. I am, as Peter said, one of the co-founders of World Finance. Um, I am also uh, a founder of another business called Jack's Financial, which I can see a couple of my clients on are. Um, and, and in my day job, I work um, in the investment management industry. Uh, my job title is investment manager. I work within the portfolio management team and portfolio implementation team um, in the city of London. Um, and to answer your question, Peter, as to what stocks and shares are, to make it very simple for those that may not have uh, come across it. Stocks and shares or shares and stocks are essentially um, what we call an investment into, into a public business. So think of a, a business that's, uh, you know, um, that, that's been around for a long time, it's been around for more than three years, it's growing and it requires capital, right? It requires capital to grow even bigger. What happens is they speak to investment banks, et cetera, and they go through this process, which, which some people might have heard of called an IPO, and they become a public company, which means you and I, and even Balloon can actually go and buy shares um, in these companies. And as these companies become more profitable, these companies uh, grow, uh, we also do well as investors as well. But of course, these are big businesses. So by buying shares in these businesses, what we're doing is we're actually buying ownership, a very, very tiny piece of the business. But as the business does well, we can get appreciation in our shares and we can also earn what we call dividends, a real cash flow from these businesses as well. The term stocks and shares confuse people, but stocks essentially are just shares in public businesses. Well, thank you very much for that, Jax. And of course, our second uh, guest, um, Palumi, if you just want to introduce yourself. And again, you're going to be talking about property investing. If you want to give a brief overview of what that is as well, that would be great. Hey, guys. So my name is Palumi Slaro. I've been investing in property for about going on a decade now. It's um, something I've always had a passion for, actually a calling from God to do. And um, so it's I can, I'll kind of describe myself property investors as kind of eye mongers of the industry in the sense of it's no it's not flashy suits it's it's getting your hands dirty and getting involved and stuck in and actually creating value um you can't do it from a computer screen you gotta actually go out there and actually create it um and so um in property investing just in a summary in a simple sense is you buy an asset you actually provide a service it's actually a business and i think that's what some people don't really understand it's actually a business where you buy an asset and you actually provide accommodation so someone, a human being is living in your property. They rely on you for um, a safe um, environment that complies with various UK laws and legislation. So it's not a, a, a light or um, light touch sort of a um, strategy or when it comes to investing. Um, but the, uh, the key is, is that you provide accommodation and people pay you for that service. And so and you use that income and also the capital growth to actually expand and grow your portfolio. And that's pretty much real estate investing in a nutshell. And I've been doing that for a number of years. Uh, I love it. And I've been asked to come on here and clear the air and correct Jacks on this notion <laughs> that stocks is, is better when, well, you, you'll find that at the end of the day, at the end of the session anyway. Let me, not, let, me not, let me not talk any further. Let's just get, let's just get stuck in. 
no thank you very much for that palumi um and for everyone here just a massive thank you for joining um this will be um going out on our podcast as you can imagine so when this does air out for our listeners wherever you are in the world just a massive shout out um to you as well um just a bit of um housekeeping as i mentioned um this is uh, recorded for those that are just uh, joining. Um, to make this as engaging as possible, um, I'm sure you all have questions and things you want to cut or comments you want to make. At some point, um, we'll give you the opportunity to come off mute and literally ask those questions. Um, if you want to use the chat box at any point during this debate, please do just throw them the questions in. There's no silly questions. If you don't want to do it privately, you can message. So if you don't want to do it uh, publicly, you can message me privately and I'll keep you anonymous, but also ask the question out to Palumi and Jax. Um, but yeah, please, please do get involved. Put your hand up at any point if you want to um, speak and I will get to you throughout the course um, of the next hour or so. So I guess how we're going to do this, we're going to do it in rounds. So we've just got two rounds. The first round is... Um, we basically asked uh, Jackson Palumi to talk about some points for what they are talking about. So Jackson's going to talk about some points for stocks. He might throw one or two uh, words of shade towards um, property, and um, but we'll see what he's got to say and then vice versa for Palumi. And again, please, please do get involved, ask questions, interact. I see you all interacting in the chat box. Hello, hello, hello to double questions and hello to uh, Ru as well. So yeah, let's get started. We're gonna get kick, we're gonna kick off. Um, Jax, I am gonna start off with you as my uh, co-host as well. Um, I'm going to let you know, Jax, just because you're my co-host doesn't mean I'm rooting for you on this one, but I have to keep... <laughs> I've known Pulling for a long time, you know. So Man, just... don't need you, bro. Okay, you got this by yourself, right, bro. <laughs> right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Kick off, yeah, with your, I guess, your first couple of points for why someone should be focusing on investing in uh, stocks over property. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, first and foremost, big up uh, the stocks and shares massive. I see a few people in the in the in the um, live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so I think the first one I'm going to start off with is, is something that might be obvious, but um, I'll, I'll start off anyway. And and that's one of what we call um, uh, barriers to entry, right? So so when we talk about stock the stock market, the stock market is a a, a centralized market. It's a standardized market. Uh, which means there's something called uh, price uh, uh, dissemination and there's price discovery. To make that simple to understand, it means there's so many people buying and selling these assets that it's easy for us to buy and sell these assets, okay? So um, when we talk about property and people talk about, oh, I want to invest in property, we all know it takes capital, a huge amount of capital, generally speaking, to get started in property. Whereas with stocks and shares, because of the, the increase in technology, what I like to call because of better financial inclusion, nowadays, more people have access to be able to invest in these assets in a safe and cheap way. Okay, so I'll start off with that liquidity. Liquidity is a great way to manage your assets because you can buy these assets quickly, cheaply. And guess what? If you buy an asset for whatever reason and you change your mind and you say, actually, uh, during my research process, this thing didn't really work out. And, oh, I bought this property and I didn't know that the roof was about to come caving down in, in the beginning. You can sell the asset. You can sell that asset. If you bought the asset at 10 o'clock in the morning and by 12 o'clock, you hear some news that says, mm, 
this thing that I did wasn't right, you can actually sell the asset immediately and you can cut your losses and you don't have to stress about not being able to sell your property for the next two years. I know people that have had problems with their property and, <laughs> and for two years, they can't sell the property because there is an issue with the property because property is an illiquid asset. Whereas stocks and shares provide liquidity. And because of that liquidity, so the keyword here is liquidity, but because of that liquidity, it is easier to diversify. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and I don't want to preach too much, it says, invest in seven, eight different assets. You can do so much easier through investing in paper assets, financial assets, in the form of stocks and shares. There are many different sectors. You can diversify by sectors. There's 11 different sectors out there. You can diversify so very well because it's a liquid asset and you don't need a lot of money to be able to even diversify. I can imagine trying to buy 10 properties for the average person is extremely difficult. But it's very easy to buy 10 different stocks. Even if you have £100, you could buy £10 each. So keywords I'm going to use here is diversification and liquidity. Thank you very much for that, Jax, man. Key words. Palumi, did you have anything to just, I guess, challenge or come back on that? Yeah, so um, Jax made some good points. Um, and it's, it's always the one that's always a struggle for a lot of people is about the entry. And I always kind of say this is that, I mean, no, no offense, property isn't for the soft. It's hard work. If you want something good, you've got to work hard for it. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to work extremely hard for it. The deposit, the amount of money you need to raise, you need to work hard for it because it is worth it at the end of it. And I can vouch for that guarantee. Anything that's good is not easy. It requires work. So when you want, if there's a barrier to entry, what I always recommend is, is advising people, well, how can you overcome those barriers? How can you knock down those barriers? What are the options? What, are you trying to buy a house that's too big? Are you trying to buy a house that's that's more than what you could afford? You know what I mean? There's always a lot of reasons why barriers to entry. Sometimes the house that can make you the most is the one that's the cheapest. You just don't realize it. You just want a flashy house that everyone likes that don't make you money. The second thing is the, which was the mistake. And I think the people is, is the liquidity, the liquid nature of property. And, and, and that's a valid point. And there's an argument I want to argue against that, which means that although it's a liquid, it does provide you liquidity in cash. So although you have your asset, your cash locked in or tied in, you can actually take that cash out. So if the liquidity is actually being able to sell it, but I don't want to sort of cancel my two points because there are points that argue, that rebuke that argument. Uh, but I, I do think that that is something that isn't really too much of an issue because the reason why is, is, also, is let me be honest, there's so much to be said. <laughs> There's so much to say because if I answer a lot of those questions now, I kind of I kind of give away all my all my points. So I think maybe what it might be worth doing is is tackling those points as I make my points. Yeah, no, thanks for that, um, Palumi. Um, and from the sounds of it, saying that the liquid uh, process is difficult when it well, it's a bit long when it comes to selling. But in terms of once you've actually got the pro uh, property, the investment property, you're getting cash like that. Yeah, I think I think the, the Jack you mentioned that uh, someone someone may bought a property and they lost money on it because uh, they made a mistake. That's what you got. You got a plan if you want to go a property. It, it's it's not it's, people make mistakes just like they make mistakes in stocks. So if you make mistakes in property, the losses are bigger. I'm not going to argue with that, but that's why you avoid making mistakes and you go in there with knowledge of facts and figures because you're playing with big money here. So you gotta make sure you got big sense. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, but anyway, yeah, I'll make my points and then we'll 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 go for that. 
Palumi, if I go back to Jax, just on the bit where you said you're playing with big money, obviously uh, investing in property, um, well, investing in property is obviously different from your first residential, your first home or so. Can you give a flavour of what that looks like in terms of that so-called big money, if that makes sense? Yeah, so what generally, what I tend to find in the industry is a lot of people want to buy the flashy house, the, the nice, sparkly, big house, four beds, uh, 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 nicely done inside their first property. Now you don't do that, and the reason why I say that is, is a classic. Is the best game, best best way to analyze it is a monopoly. You buy one little greenhouse. That little greenhouse, you do it up, and then you buy another greenhouse. That little greenhouse, you do it up. Now you've got two greenhouses. You do up those two greenhouses, they buy your third greenhouse. And then what happens? As you guys buy more greenhouses, that's when you buy your red hotel, which is the big flashy house. People want to jump the gun and they want to buy the red house before they've done all the little greenhouses. And that's where they make mistakes. And so that is probably, to me, the best way to sort of tackle that, tackle that issue anyway. Love it. Love it. Thanks, uh, Palumi. I can see some people just co-signing. If you want to show some public agreement, continue using the chat box or reactions, however. Um, but no, thanks for that, uh, Palumi. Jax, did you have anything to come back to that? And if not, feel free to um, go on to your second uh, point. Oh, you're on mute, by the way. I said, okay. Um, I don't think Palumi's actually made his two points for, for himself. I think he argued against my points. So one thing is to give Pilumi the opportunity to uh, speak about his, his two points. Pilumi, uh, go for it, bro. Yeah, but no, but before we go there, <laughs> before, we, before we go there, so there was a say, Pilumi mentioned that property provides liquidity. It provides liquidity when things are going well. But as we, we know, and I know quite a lot of property investors and landlords is, we come across some tenants that don't want to pay that cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> so... And, and this is actually very common. So whilst it's all brilliant and, and pretty to say, oh, property, once you've got it, it provides you cash flow, it doesn't always. And in fact, in okay. many situations where it doesn't. And when it doesn't, you're sitting there with an asset that can obviously still appreciate, but it's not providing you with any liquidity and it's not liquid in itself. <laughs> so there's that part. The second part is you mentioned, well, that's why you go to it with diligence. That's why you go to it with knowledge. And you go into anything good with diligence and knowledge, stocks, shares, bonds, business, whatever you do, your career, you go into it with a level of diligence, with wisdom, and that kind of stuff. That's, that's just the truth for anything. So I don't think it's a valid point. But the truth of the matter is everybody makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. No matter how much research you do in a property, no matter how much research you do in a stock, there's something called information asymmetry. I don't make mistakes. Means- I've made a mistake of property. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I haven't made a mistake. I'll be honest. Okay, you haven't made a mistake, and 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 that and that could be obviously due to your diligence, and that's well done to you. But there are people that have done their due diligence, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, a mistake has happened, and it might not it might not be a big mistake, or when I say mistake, it might not just pan out how you thought it would. Let me put it that way. When that happens with uh, investing in paper assets, financial assets like stocks and shares, that's why you diversify. Because if one of them goes wrong, you have other assets that will actually help you out in times of turmoil. So the diversification element, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't move it away. And I know you talked about in Monopoly, yeah, you bought the, you bought the, the, the one greenhouse, and then you buy the second greenhouse, and you buy the third greenhouse, and, you, and then you buy the hotel. 
Sometimes when you do well in the game, you go straight to the hotel. I don't know about you, but I've gone straight, <laughs> straight to three houses. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do. Like you said, when it comes to property, they go straight for the big boys. So I uh, just wanted to make those three points uh, uh, to counteract what, what people were saying. <laughs> I think Peter, let me do my points, man. This, I just need to, I need to finish this already. Come on, this, come this is too long. Go for it, please. Uh, <laughs> no. I'll be gentle, okay. Uh, so the first thing is the property. I'm going to use facts when I'm mentioning some of these points. So some of these points, are, so I'm going to have to, unfortunately, I have to go to numbers because numbers are the fundamental aspect of investing. Jackson knows this. Uh, so it's very difficult to describe these things without referencing back to numbers, but I'll try to keep it. I'll try to keep it simple. Um, so first thing about property is a high yield and ca consistent cash flow. And by that, what I mean is that compared to let's say the equivalent stocks, and uh, I'll give an example. So let's say, for example, uh, you want to buy, and I'll, I'll put you guys in the seat, car seat, so you can kind of see and understand it from a better perspective, from your individual perspective. Let's say you find a house; it's two hundred k. And let's say that house rents out for £1,000. Your mortgage on that house is £600, let's say, for example. So you profit about £400 per month, a year. Per, per a year, that's £4,800 per year. Now, you have to pay the tax man he's cut. The good old majesty, or well, now it's not the majesty, it's, her, it's his king, takes his cut, and that's like £960 a year. Uh, now at the net so net cash going into your pocket is three thousand eight hundred and forty pounds per year now when you buy a property you don't pay two hundred thousand pounds for it you put a deposit down so if you're buying a buy to let you're putting down a deposit of 20 percent. so 20 percent on 200k is 40k now what i'm trying to do is calculate what the yield is now the yield is a measure of measuring how much money you make per amount of money you invest so if I buy a house for £100 and it gives me £1 in cash back, I make a yield of 1%. If it's £10 back, I make a yield of 10%. In this case scenario, I'm making an income of £3,840 per year net after tax. I put down 40% deposit because the house is 200 k My yield is 9.5%. Now, I don't know any stock that does that. Now, the question I have here is that that's £3,840. Now imagine if you ten times that by 10, now you're no longer working. Now, if you're no longer working, how, then you have to work back the maths to figure out, well, how many properties do I need to buy to get to that 38K? So you need to buy 10 properties to do that. So that's 400K. And this is a question I want to chuck back to Jax, is how much do you need to buy in stocks? You need to spend in stocks to generate 38K a year. I'll leave it to you, Jax. Um, I want to do maths. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, whatever your whatever the income you're looking for uh, per month, you need to obviously multiply that by twelve. You get the uh, yearly amount. You divide that by zero point zero four because, generally speaking, when you get a portfolio of, of things like stocks, you can uh, withdraw. You can draw down. 4% from that without actually you losing the value of, of the actual nest egg. So mm. you're right in the sense that you would need to have a much bigger pot, uh, pot to be able to uh, become financially free in terms of your know, the income being able to pay for your lifestyle uh, relative to, to, to property because obviously property you use leverage. <clears throat> and, that's, and that's a very fair point. That's, that's, I think that's one of the biggest uh, pros for, for, for property in the sense that you tend to usually take out a mortgage 
um you take out a mortgage and then you know it's, it's cheap it's cheap borrowing as well because it's, it's it's pegged against against uh, an asset property yeah okay so you said how many properties you need to I, I i did i did I, I, i've still got my point i, I knew you were oh, gonna you still say that oh, okay, okay i still i, I still you can see that you, go, you know what Let, i i knew you were gonna say that so i actually did the answer for you oh. so the yield of 1.69 percent yes generally the yield on properties or stocks now you would need 2.2 million pounds to generate that income of 38k okay. that's nearly five times what you need for property yeah i let the numbers do i let the math speak for itself well okay yes and no because what you've spoken about here is leverage again regardless of whatever asset you're talking about you can always still leverage from other assets so in the stock market you can leverage using margin Okay, you can leverage using margin. There are people out there that will invest in stocks and shares by taking out what we call derivatives. So doing options and futures contracts. And if they get it right, if they get it right, they can do by far better than your properties. Imagine somebody who took out margin and invested in Amazon 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or Facebook or Netflix or any of those companies or PayPal or any one of those companies, they would have done much better than your houses. What's going to do better? A good business or, 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 or some, some buildings, bricks and mortar? Well, we're going into business and stuff, but we're talking about stocks. Stocks. Stocks are businesses. Stocks, they're businesses, stocks, but they're, 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 they're shares. Because they're this shares. Is, this is, I, mean, I think you might have missed the point where I said consistent. I said consistent cash flows. Every <laughs> month I get paid. I, mean, I get paid. Until the tenant decides not to pay you. <laughs> no. And the reason why the tenant doesn't decide to pay you, no offense, mm-hmm. is because the people that are finding the tenants aren't doing a rigorous, rigorous process. Mm-hmm. When you find a good tenant, there's a process you have to go through to find a tenant. It's a rigorous process. And so if you're finding a tenant for quick, quick, because quick cash, quick cash, sorry, um, it's not going to work out well. But if you rigorously review your tenants and, and, and review their pay and their, their work history and also get references from their previous landlords, then the, it reduces the risk. Um, but I think that's a good point. You touched on one point there, which I wanted to touch on, which was, um, and I think this is my second point, which I wanted to highlight, which was the need. You don't need to exit your position to realize the gain. And you talked on leverage debts. Now, you talked to people, obviously, dealing with margin and buying derivatives and various other things. In order for them to get the cash, they still need to exit their position. Someone needs to sell. I don't need to sell. I can still generate more and, and use that cash. And I'll give you an example. Let's say, for example, that 200K house that I bought, just a figurative house, I add value and I'm going to that's one of the other points I'm going to mention earlier but uh, I thought I'd mention it now so I add value it's now worth 300k now generally if it was a stock I'd have to sell it to make that 100k profit whatever it may be but as a property I can borrow against it I can leverage and so I can take that money out and guess what I can buy another property I still own the same property and now I've got the same I've got two properties generating cash flow so the, the 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 argument to me for property is, and this is one of the biggest strengths, is is the, is the is the ability to be able to leverage against it without the need to have to sell it, mm-hmm. which I just don't think is the case with stocks. Interestingly, you know, just just speaking about selling and that kind of stuff. Actually, as an individual, I believe in buy and hold, right? So when I buy shares in businesses, uh, shares in businesses, uh, that's what stocks are. Uh, I aim to hold them. If I could hold them forever, I would, right? As long as the fundamentals make sense, I would like to hold them forever, okay? 
Now, you mentioned leverage, and you making you mentioned leverage as one of the, the biggest pros for, for property. Mm-hmm. But the thing about leverage, the thing about debt, and I know there's this whole ideology of, of good debt, bad debt. Uh, well, I'm a Christian, and, and, and in the Bible, I don't see anywhere it says that debt is a good thing. But what it does say is that when you take out debt, you become a slave to the borrower. Okay, people say things like, "Okay, um, uh, uh, there's good debt, there's bad debt," and 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 we know in personal finance, one of the key things in personal finance. If anyone's ever read a personal finance book, one of the key fundamentals they say is pay yourself first, right? Everyone's heard of that before. I think the book that I read first that said it was richest man in Babylon. Pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. How do you pay yourself first when the first person that takes money out of your bank is the is the person that you owe? Someone has seniority over your money that you're making, your so-called cash flow. Somebody has seniority. You have to pay that person back before you make a profit. Now, by taking out debt, what you're really doing is you're increasing your level of risk for a high potential return. That's that's what debt is. Your equity your risk for a high potential return. But the thing about risk is risk sounds amazingly well and it sounds great. And oh, good debt. Oh, good debt. When we live in a macroeconomic system where things, there's cheap money around, there's cheap money, the government's printing money. Everybody's going, everybody's a property investor. Everybody's Instagram page, I'm a property investor. Everybody's doing property. People are using healthy bad schemes. Oh, I've, uh, uh, I'm a homeowner at the age of 21 because I've got to put a 5% deposit. Okay, all right. But what you don't understand is you've taken that risk. You have taken out what we call interest rate risk. And as we can see from our dear government, and as we can see from the macroeconomic situation that we find ourselves, that risk can really, really, really come to bite you if you don't manage it properly. It can really, because what happens is as soon as interest rates increase, that debt, that so-called good debt that you owe, you're still a slave to the person who gave you that money. You didn't buy the house, the bank bought the house, and you have to pay the bank back. And if you don't pay the bank back, they're going to take the house from you. Bro, it's a business. That's how business works. It's, you generate a profit. That is all I'm doing, is running a business and generating a profit. And then I'm using that to generate more profit and more cash flow. That is how it works. It's a business. So the points you made are very valid. Because it's, it is, it's a business. I borrow, so what a business does is it provides a service at a cost and sells a service um, for a, 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 a price that less it costs to produce that service. So I'm buying a property, getting debt, and I'm able to rent that property for more than the debt and the cost of service that property is, and I generate profit. And guess what? I well, use that to buy more. You hope so. <laughs> you you hope so, so your argument is your argument is void because it, that is what business is. That's what business is. It's to, to provide a service at, at sell at a price, um, sell at a price that's higher than the cost of delivery. That's what landlords do. That's what property is in the fundamental that's sense. What, that's what, that's what you and I mentioned, I said that at the beginning. That is what it is. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I, I think there's definitely <laughs> interesting points on both sides, and I think. With any investment, um, and we always touch on this, there's always going to be a, um, a level of uh, risk as well associated with it, which you both touch on really well. Um, I am just at this point, um, if that's all right, just going to um, go through some questions. Um, I am going to go through what's in the chat box, but if any of you um, have any questions on your heart that you want to say off mute, just put your hand up, virtual hand up, um, or even if you just want to clarify anything, because there might be some words that have been thrown around that you've probably not heard of, anything so feel free to do that so i am just going to run through um 
Okay, just going scripture. Let me just see. Uh, oh, yes, a question from Ade. How do you, uh, maybe for you, Palumi, how do you know if you are buying to quote too much house? Buying to too much house is too much. Too, do you mean too much houses or? Well, too much house. How do you know if you're putting way too much money um, or over leveraging um, when it comes to buying, um, investing in property? So the, the, there's a famous writer was that like that says the end of a thing is better than the beginning of a thing. In property, I know what the property is going to achieve before I even buy it. I've done my due diligence, I've done my research, I know what it rents for, I've spoken to agents. I know what the values of the properties around that area are. I spoke to the banks, I spoke to the brokers, I've spoken to the sisters before I laid down one single penny. I've done, I've gathered all the information I know and need to be able to quantify and verify how much I will make at the end of it. And this is a problem. Some people just don't do that and they buy it and then they lose money and then they say property is a risk and all that stuff. No, it's not a risk. You just made a mistake. You didn't do your, you didn't do your research, your homework properly. So the best way to do it is, is, is that, that's how I issue, that's how I haven't been able to make a date. A mistake yet is because I've been very thorough on my analysis. So if I see a property and I see a problem with it, I just don't buy it. I get it surveyed, I get verification, I get some certainty, I reduce the risk. Um, and, and that's how I'm able to be in a position where I am today, where I've thankfully by the grace of God, and I'll continue to be that I I um I no longer have those problems. I don't have these issues that a lot of other landlords are facing because they try to they try to take a shortcut. Mm. No, thank you for that, Pulumi. Another question. Um, and yes, I've seen your hands up, so please do keep them up. But um, another question from Casey. Um, I think, you, you know, you was giving an example on uh, income yield, etc. Where can I find a 200k property that will give me 1k rental income? East Sussex. East Sussex. Cool. Casey, yeah. that's an area for you to look at. <laughs> Um, and others. Um, another one from um, Adi, but aren't you taxed more and more with every consecutive property you buy? With uh, stocks, you're only taxed on realized gains. Oh, can you wait for my points later on? <laughs> okay, later we'll hold on. that. Wait for later on. But Ade, we'll hold that. We'll hold that. We'll hold that. Please, <laughs> please leave that for now. I will leave it. I'll um, leave it. On that note, um, Ade, you've got your hand up. Do you want to come off mute if you still need to ask your question? Uh, yeah, so um, um, there was uh, a couple of statements made uh, regarding uh, mortgage rates. I think someone, someone said something about mortgage rates or... Um, whatever. So, um, what what I want to know is is that if you have multiple properties, you you have multiple mortgages. Um, in an economy, in an economy, in an economic climate like this, where rates have gone up, right? How does how does a property investor manage all of those mortgage mortgages, or are they all on fixed terms, or are they all variable? Like what? Basically, what they're saying, how does someone manage all that debt, yeah. all that money that they pay someone else? <laughs> yeah, I uh, know. I hear you. I hear you. Um, the, 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 before the interest rates started rising, I was already looking at rates. I, I plan. I see everything. So before they knew, before the Bank of England, myself and my wife, before the Bank of England started raising interest rates, I called my broker and I said, I'm going to start looking at my rates. And I paid early, redem early repayment fees, early redemption fees. So when you pay your, you pay your mortgage, you pay your early redemption fee. But when I did the numbers and I looked at how what the Bank of Rate England rates were going to go up to, I said, actually, I saved money in the long run by paying those fees. So I paid like three grand on one house, but I saved like seven grand because of my mortgage interest rate payments. So the, the key is to act fast. And 
if I'm buying a property now, what I do is when I remodel the property, I model for the fact that the interest rates would rise. What if the interest rates would go up to this, et cetera? If the property is still profitable, it's kind of like you stress test it. If the property is still profitable, then to me, and the maths makes sense, you've done your due diligence, you've been thorough in your research, you've spoken with agents, et cetera, then what are you waiting for? Just go for it. Um, and that's how I've been able to avoid this sort of landscape of, 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 of issues. If, to be honest, it's really the consumer market that's really suffering from the mortgage interest rate. All landlords locked out ages ago. <laughs> they paid early interest fees, they locked out ages ago. Landlords locked out for like five years. So landlords aren't really feeling um, the massive effects. There's some are because who, who've made mistakes, but quite a few have, have, have got that, have got, have, got, um, have, have taken advantage of that commercial um, understanding of locked out their rates. Uh, my, my broker, when I spoke to him, he was like, yeah, a lot of landlords are calling us. I was like, yeah, make sure you make me first, get me my deals first. So I've, I've, none of my, I've, all my property has been locked up for like five years or so. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just ride this wave. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Palumi. Um, I'm just going to capture um, Casey's and Ife's point. Um, you know, you gave that example around, I think, uh, getting rental income per year of like uh, profit of like uh, just under 4K. Um, talk to us a bit more about some of those unforeseen costs and things that you need to fix, tenant issues and stuff. Just, yeah, to give people a bit of a flavour. Because we're obviously yeah. not going, we get that in profit, but we're obviously not going to see all of that because a lot yeah. of it will go down on costs. Yeah. yeah, so you get maintenance costs. Maintenance costs are really, pretty much, they're, they're quite random, but generally you try to say like 10%. Like one of my tenants, they just, they broke the window handle. <laughs> literally, just literally snapped it off. So what kind of Hercules hands have you got for you to smack? You, you cracks a window handle. But anyway, but um, he, he broke the window handle. And I was like, my stocks and shares. I would generally say about 10% cool. is, 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 is generally what you have to forecast. But um, sometimes it's, it's a give and take. Sometimes the property, if you've got, if the property is well-maintained, it reduces the risk. Generally, when the property is poorly maintained, you have more failures. If it's well maintained, reduce the failures. So I invest in good um, tradesmen to take care of my property. That when they go in, they let me know a problem before they happen. Because mm. to me, if the problem gets worse, it's going to become more expensive. So I'd rather pay a premium now to fix it than a bigger cost later down the line. And that's what tending what happens when maintenance costs get quite unsustainable or large. But I, I forgot just to go back to the original question. I said cost about 10 percent. Brilliant. Thanks for that, bro. Um, we're going to go to round two, but before we do that, we're going to take one more question. Um, if you have your hands up, feel free to keep it up still. And then also in the chat box, please do keep them coming. And um, I'm going to take a question from Sa'e, who's got your hand up. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, thanks for that. My question is to Palumi. So I have two questions. What's your take on interest-only mortgages? Um, and the second one is, if I had money to buy a property cash down, what areas would you recommend that I can get a cheap property? Thank so you. Interest, interest on the mortgages are the, the, the mortgages that all my properties are interest on the mortgages. I don't do repayment mortgages. The only repayment mortgage I do is on my own property, my property where I live. The reason why is, is the key is they want to maximize cash flow um, so you can acquire more. Um, I can't get into the details of the mass behind it. But actually, it's the much more effective way to boost your cash flow is to go on interest-only mortgage. And, and that means that you reduce your monthly payments, you're able to build cash, and then you also get a better benefit of the great gaining of capital appreciation as well. So um, I generally tend to just do that. And, and that's generally a widespread industry industry sort of process. Um, I forgot, sorry, you mentioned another, there was another question that you mentioned. I, uh, it was about um, buying a property cash down for cheap. Yeah, yeah if I had about let's say 50 grand and I intended to buy a property 
um, I just wanted to buy cash down. Where would you recommend to look at? Or is that a bad idea? Never buy cash down. Never buy property cash down. The reason why is that the, prop- the key property is to try and minimize how much you put in. If I could buy a property for a pound, that means that my gains are infinite. If I could buy a property for nothing, my gains are infinite. Like our parents could get properties for, is it for 100% mortgage. That means that every pound you make on top of that was infinite. You didn't put any money in. The key is not to put money down. The key is to reduce how much money you put in. So I wouldn't try to put in five. I wouldn't try to put in 50K. I would try to put in one pound if I could. But obviously with your budget, um, if you were to spit that out and invest in a number of properties, you could probably buy about four or five properties up north. Um, you're looking further up north. There's, you're not looking further down south, but you can generate good yields. Um, you're looking at probably areas like, um, I, to, I, I, researched, I researched geographically all areas because to me, property is the key. Like I just research. So you're looking at areas like York, um, you know, Pendle, um, uh, those those like sort of northern areas that's what you're looking for but if you were to invest in those areas i would suggest look for those areas that have got good capital appreciation not just good cash flow because you want your money to grow i just want to, i just want to jump in quickly just to let you guys know everyone on the uh call to know that this is recorded and uh whilst we can give you myself uh, jackson Pulini and peter can give you our opinions what we can't give you is what we call regulated financial advice so everything that we speak about um, do understand that it's based on our opinions and it's here for a, a laugh and for education and that kind of stuff. True, true to that. <laughs> right there. And on that note, we're going to go into the final round. So um, we're going to do the pretty much same thing again, but Jax, this time, your final three points that you want to touch on, if you don't mind. So for that reason, uh, I'll talk about that very quickly and then go into my, my first point because it kind of, it's kind of linked. So um, you're talking about leverage and, and that kind of stuff. Now, uh, what you will remember when we talk about property is uh, buying property under an SPV, especially purpose vehicle or, or under a business, has actually become a more recent thing because of what we call Section 21. Is it long to explain? If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't, don't know it. But to cut a long story short, the reason for that, it, what it was, is because it made uh, buying property in your own name uh, much more expensive, right? Uh, to tax, keyword tax, right? There's a saying, some of them what they're saying, there's two guarantees in life. One is death and the other one is you're going to pay tax. And with property, the tax man is there ready to take as much as he or she can possibly take. Um, but to, to talk about leverage uh, with, 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 with businesses, remember, even when I'm assessing businesses, which again, stocks and shares, stocks are shares in businesses, is there is an analysis process, right? You look at a company's financial statements, you look at their, their, their income statement balance sheet, you look at their, their cash flow sheet. And when you look at the balance sheet, you can see how much debt they have, okay? But you know, when you look at business, they've got that LTD at the end, it's called limited liability, limited. So as long as the business can borrow however much it wants and it can leverage and it can do really, really well and it can benefit just like how you benefit from your so-called business, but if it goes bankrupt, uh, the, the tax man is not going to go and chase the actual business owner for, for their money. It's, it's done to the business. The business goes bankrupt, it goes to zero, it's done. They're not going to chase you and your family for your money. Uh, with property, <clears throat> if you don't buy it under the business structure, which many people didn't do and are now rushing to do so, you are actually going to lose your money. They're going to come chasing down for you for your money. Correct me if I am wrong. And so that leads me to my one of my points um, for this round is the tax efficiency, which is a big one for me, actually. You might be one of the biggest ones, alongside diversification and liquidity. 
but a tax efficiency of being able to invest in, in stocks and shares in a tax efficient ways using things like stocks and shares, ISAs, lifetime ISAs, and, and pension accounts is second to none, right? So you can invest in, in, in stocks and shares in a well-diversified way, in a tax efficient way for your pension. The money you get paid from your business, the money you get paid from your, from your job can go into stocks and shares gross, not net. So before the tax man takes a cut, you can actually take that money and move it into your pension account and invest in stocks and shares and other financial assets um, in a very, very tax efficient way. And of course, with stocks and shares assets, you can, yes, the money that goes in is, 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 is net, right? But it can grow tax-free. So the dividends are not taxed. The capital appreciation is not taxed as well. In the UK, the government gives us a, 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 an allowance every tax year, April the 6th to April the 5th, the following year. For, for example, the stocks and shares ISA is £20,000. And ISA generally is £20,000. You and I and everyone in this call can invest up to £20,000 um, into our stocks and shares ISA. And anything that happens, it can grow, it can get dividends, it can, it can grow capital appreciation. We can earn all these returns and there's no tax to pay. There's no, uh, you got to pay stamp duty, uh, you got to pay. It grows tax efficient. And that's the same case for a pension as well. So I think the tax efficiency is a huge one. And someone mentioned in the, in the chat when it comes to property, oh, the tax man is just there, ready to eat from your pot, your leveraged pot. Uh, should I go on to my second one or should I let Pulimi go on and I'll probably come back to my second well, one? Go for it, bro. Just cause of the tie. Go for it, Jack. Okay, my second one is actually uh, very similar to, to, uh, to something I mentioned earlier when it comes to diversification. And it comes down to risk. Everything comes down to risk. Um, here I'm talking about regulatory risk. I think we all know deep down, um, and, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, and the audience are, are uh, allowed to share their ideas, but generally speaking, the government don't want you and I to be landlords. They don't want it. So they're making it more uh, expensive, making it more, more of a headache to become a landlord. For that reason, when you invest in this highly leveraged um, asset, where you borrow a lot of money, sometimes you even, you know, you, you, you try to, as, as Pulumi said, you want to put one pound down. Uh, I think some people have amnesia, what caused us a financial crisis of 2007. It was these things, people taking out excessive loans that they couldn't actually afford, but that's a conversation for another day. Is um, when you take out these loans, what if the government decided to change the regulation just like that? And it's happened, it's happened. What happens, is if you buy 10, 20 properties and say, oh, look at my portfolio, they beat their chest. I've got 20 portfolios all in my own name, assets, assets, assets. And the government come and say, okay, section 21. Okay, section this, section this, a whole bunch of sections. There's section, section, section. All of a sudden that your tenants are so protected, that tenant that you did your research on, but has had a change of, of heart because his girlfriend left him. And, and, and then, and then and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then all, these, all these things happen. Now you have to sell your properties. You have to pay all these taxes. It's a huge headache. Whereas once you've locked in that stocks and shares ISA, even when they change the regulation, they usually change it for the years coming after that. So they'll say, if you have this uh, stocks and shares ISA from, from this year to this year, then okay, that's locked in, right? Is locked in and that's really 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 important and that's one of my cases for for also going more into a nice liquid asset where you're investing in a business great businesses with great amazing leaders uh, that scale and that's actually my third point but peter said we, we haven't got much time but the scalability of a business um, is really important but peter i know you said three or four but i have to finish this guy 
to finish it. And the way I'm going to finish him is pure and simple. Earlier on, he said facts. Facts, facts, facts. Everybody likes facts when they go their way, right? And there's one fact that kills all. When we look at the returns, the absolute returns, the compounding and the growth rate, all that stuff, the returns, stocks and shares have outperformed property over the past 100 years. And it's easy to understand. How is that possible? Because what's going to do better? A piece of a building or the best business? The best building or the best business? Which one's going to do better? And that's up to you to decide. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jackson, you definitely rehearsed that. <laughs> I, I come really on, did. I'm on. just gassed. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I'm on one of those. Um, what's that thing called? Uh, you know the, the political debates. Oh <laughs> yeah, man! Really over to you. That's okay. And, uh, thank you for that, Jax. Uh, Palum, you've heard obviously quite a, a few points um, from Jax, um, obviously with his finale just now as well, yeah. um, and touching on things like um, regulatory uh, risk, tax, tax efficiency, and of course, um, his final point. But did you have any comeback to that before you want to go into your points? I know you've got comeback because I can see all your reactions. <laughs> so tax, tax taxes is, is, is valid. Um, 